1: Decided before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium take it away ben. it's time for Dodger baseball <laughs>
2: What is going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansighted, and your Los Angeles Dodgers are killing it right now. They're ninety and thirty-nine, and we're about to cross September. What's even more wild is that August, the Dodgers just blew through the competition. So yeah, they <laughs> went 20, they went twenty-two and six in the month of August, and despite dropping this most recent game to Jacob Degrom in the New York Mets you got to be impressed with what the Dodgers have been doing, especially on this last road trip. We'll get into the games and we'll talk about the Dodgers postseason roster and this upcoming series against the Padres. But I wanted to introduce our guest this evening on the Incline Dodgers. We're really excited to welcome Rowan Kavner of Fox Sports. He writes for them and will be writer. He was formerly with Dodger Insider, if that, name's, if that name sounds very familiar. So Rowan, thank you so much for joining the show today.
3: Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, excited to be here to talk a little Dodgers and MLB. It's great.
2: Awesome to have you. So to get the show rolling, I want to just get your initial thoughts on this Dodgers team this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I previously, I you know we had talked a little bit uh, off screen here, but was, was doing Dodger Insider, doing kind of their their magazines and their blog for, for since 2017. So I've had a, a pretty close-up look over the last five, six years and there is a strong argument that this group that they have put together might be the best of that. I think it's kind of easy to forget just how good they were in 17, just because of that dropping 16 of 17, you know, toward that early September, just that kind of plunge at that point. But they were 91 and 36 at, at, at kind of that late August mark, kind of right around where we are right now. That team was really, really good. I still think this team might be better, uh, just maybe more complete, the depth that you're talking about. It seems like every guy, they they kind of have an answer for everything. And so did that 17 team. But that was, I felt like a little bit more platooning when you have those three and really four guys at the top of the lineup on this team. It's hard to say that, that this is worse than any of those groups.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a fair assessment, without a doubt. Let's talk about some Jakes. So what other better person to turn it over to than Jake Reiner? The Dodgers faced Jacob DeGrom in their most recent game. They lost two to one, and it was a DeGrom masterclass without a doubt. He won seven innings, gave up just three hits, one home run, which was Mookie Betts' 32nd home run of the season, tying a career high. We can get more into that in a little bit. Edwin Diaz was able to close it out with Timmy Trumpets, got a clean one, two, three, ninth inning. Um, in my opinion, just talking about this Degrom outing, you know, it seemed like the Dodgers didn't really make him work the count, but at the same time, Degrom was just attacking the zone, and you got to tip your cat. Degrom was on his game tonight.
4: Yeah, he made some pitches tonight that were so spotted and so on the mark that you wouldn't want to swing at them anyway, but you take them and they're strikes, and that's why it was so hard for the Dodgers to get. Uh, DeGrom to go outside the zone. He just wasn't doing it. And when he was throwing in the zone, he was missing bats. And the only two bats that he didn't miss was the Mookie Betts home run. And then Justin Turner, who got robbed by Brandon Nimmo. I mean, that that was the other run that the Dodgers got that they that they could, you know, obviously could not make up the difference. But this is the best pitching that the Dodgers have, have run into so far this entire season. You go from DeGrom uh, then you go to Ottavino, who was just nasty. I mean, he made Mookie Betts look silly on that last pitch that he threw him, um, just that sweeping slider outside, and it fooled him completely. And then to go to Edwin Diaz in the ninth, there's no – you don't get better than that, especially in the National League, I think in all of baseball, than those three right there and the way that they pitched tonight. So, um, remarkably, the Dodgers pitched just as well, just, you know – Uh, Tyler Anderson was great. Um, they just, you know, not neither, neither pitcher got any run support, but you know, you can't win them all, but that, that was a tough, that was a tough assignment for sure.
2: Yep. Tyler Anderson. Absolutely. Kept it close with the Grom seven innings, just that two run home run to Starling Marte, his second of the series, the only blemish, but like Jake said, Dodgers just ran into great pitching and they've been facing a lot of good pitchers as of late. i Alcantara twice, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff. So this is a really great test for the Dodgers. And And they beat most of them. Yeah, that's true too. And I remember Joe Davis reading a stat on the telecast just a few days ago that when the Dodgers face a starting pitcher for the second time, they typically have far more success. I want to say the ERA was like in the eight range. And so, you know, this will be a big stride if the Dodgers do face DeGrom again come October, because I guarantee the outcome will be different. So let me get David Rosenthal in on the show. and Let's hear your thoughts.
5: Uh, yeah, so I was super impressed with the Dodgers in August. Uh, like you just mentioned, they got to see Alcantara. They got to see Burns twice. They got to see Woodruff and now they got to see DeGrom. And I think that's invaluable experience, uh, going into these, this last month of the season, into the playoffs, you want to face good pitchers. So you get some data on them. You get at bats against them. There's not going to be any surprises. If you have to face them in the playoffs, obviously you're not going to face Alcantara, but you might have to face Burns and Woodruff. You might have to face Series Kevin has said this before. Uh, I'm I'm on board with that. You don't want to face Scherzer and DeGrom in a five-game series. Uh, seven game series, I think I think the Dodgers take it with ease because this this Mets lineup doesn't really move me. You know, Starling Marte has has had two home runs and two games. Uh, but the rest of this lineup, not that not that powerful. You know, they don't score a ton of runs compared to what this Dodgers lineup can do. Uh, but uh, and to the point uh of the 2017 team this dodgers team is not going to lose the next 16 of 17 games. <laughs> that i can guarantee you uh you're coming up on a september where you pretty much exclusively only play the nl west you play the padres twice you play the rockies i think two or three times you play the giants a cardinal series is mixed in there and a, a diamondbacks as well so this team could very well break the record uh the seattle record and i think they're for sure gonna break the team record Uh, the Dodgers team record so I'm excited for September I think the main concern is just stay healthy and Dave Roberts has got to really manage the bullpen uh, in terms of load management which I think he has done a pretty solid job of thus far
3: math isn't my thing which is why I do what I do but I think it's 17 and 16 they'd have to go to to set the franchise record from here on out yeah 27 and 6 for all time and that seems kind of ridiculous but then you look at well I mean before I think today they had won 45 of 55 now I think they'll probably go into cruise control a little bit once they they clinch the division. And so that might be out of reach, but certainly I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if they don't set the franchise.
2: Just to add to that, the last six games of the season are against the Colorado Rockies. So wild. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're all at home, right?
4: All at Dodger Stadium, yeah. thank God.
2: <laughs> First game of the series, Dodgers did win. They they beat the Taiwan Walker start. Gavin Lux had himself quite a day. What a breakout season is. David is the first to always point out he this was his guy two hits drove in three runs Andrew Heaney made the start overall fairly impressive in my opinion only gave up three runs one of them being unearned because he tried to bean it off Marte I believe didn't it backfired big time though at eight strikeouts uh, Jake Reed came in in the ninth inning got yeah he did. A big save the moment of his career uh, hearing him after the game was cool you could tell that this moment meant a lot to him but with that being said Heath Hembry getting the win Jake Reed getting the save here in late August definitely something I didn't have on my bingo card and you know with that being said I was a little curious why Dave Roberts had burned the bullpen because coming into that game he only had two available relievers and that's why they had to add Hembry and Jake Reed so kind of kind of some question marks going a little too hard against the Marlins in my opinion.
4: Yeah, I actually wanted to point that out, too, which was kind of confusing because he had said that he wanted to stay away from Chris Martin and then basically had to go to Chris Martin in that last Marlins game to kind of bail out Craig Kimbrell. It just makes you wonder, like, you know, what was he doing then? And then you fast forward to the Mets series and he's going to Heath Hembree in leverage and he's going to Jake Reed to save uh, for the save. And then he puts him puts Jake Reed out out again tonight in in a high leverage spot with a with a slim deficit, and to me it's like it, it kind of is a little confusing. Um, and then you know, and especially in that Marlins game too, if you remember, um, Mookie Betts didn't start that game, but he ended up going in in the middle of an inning when they when he did that weird double switch take out the DH thing, which didn't make any sense. But like you know. It's either one way or the other. It's like you can't send your superstar out there who has been sitting on the bench for the entire game to just run out there. And what if he pulls a muscle? He's not warm or anything like that. So um, just a little kind of curious what, you know, the the kind of decisions he was making. But, yeah, I mean, I would expect him to stay, kind of keep the course and not, you know, break the bank every night and wear out his, his best guys.
5: Well, you know, I think he's sticking to, you know, nobody's he's trying to avoid everybody pitching two games in three days or definitely not three games in a row. And I think he's stuck to that pretty much. So when he says these guys are unavailable, that's him managing the bullpen. You know, if it's the playoffs, he's not going to be saying that he's going to send the guy out there who gives the team the best chance to win. But with a 20 game lead in the division, you know, I think he's done a pretty solid job. The, the sending Kimbrell out for the second inning in that Miami series was kind of was kind of questionable. Uh, I forget who was left in the bullpen. I think he could have went to Gratterall. Uh, but, you know, I, I I do think he's done a pretty solid job. Although I will say that that double switch and him and Mattingly going back and forth of just who is big brain move after big brain move, who could mess it up more. That was entertainment.
2: So, yeah, one more game left in this series. And it's qu- quite exciting for Dodgers fans because Clayton Kershaw will be activated off the IL. Make the start. I don't think we've been given any hints as to what his pitch count will be or how many innings they go. But based off what they've done earlier in the season with Kershaw, it was typically five innings, 75 pitches. So that's what I'm going to expect again. He'll face Chris Bassett, who's had a really nice season in his first year with the Mets rocking a 334 ERA. Uh, We could talk about Kershaw real quick. Just first of all, it's awesome. He's coming back September 1st. And second of all, you know, what do you kind of hope to see from Kershaw for this month of September?
3: You hope he's healthy. Like I I, and I, you know, I I don't know how you you manage it at this point. It does seem like every time the back flares up, it's usually about a three week kind of thing, three weeks, a month, something like that. They can kind of figure out a way to sort of manage it at this point. But it's just it's such a fickle thing where, you know, he didn't go on a rehab assignment, and I get that. Why why waste the bullets at that point? And and you know, if he's going to be playing in real games, you probably want it happening at the major league stage. But man, it is so important now with with Tony gonson going down that you just keep him healthy. You don't even, I mean, sure, you want him sharp going into October, but you just can't really afford an October 1, October second sort of thing like last year where it, it flares up at the right time. The hard part is I, I don't know how you, you fix that. I mean, it can happen kind of at any point. You want him to be as built up as he can be because um, he he was sharp still. every When he's healthy, he is still sharp out there. Um, but I I don't know how you handle it. I don't know if they're totally sure how to handle it either, other than, you know, you give him his five, six innings and you don't push him farther than he needs to go.
2: On that front, you mentioned Tony Gonsolin going on the IL, which is definitely a big blow to the Dodgers rotation, but it seems like they caught the injury at the very early stages. And we don't even know if he's actually injured. This could just be a phantom IL. There were, I believe it was Roberts who did say they were contemplating giving him some time off to begin with, because. 128 pitches this season 28 sorry 128 innings this season just and he's having a 210 era so he was technically in the Cy Young conversation but big picture here they want to have a fresh gonsolin have him sharp in october so i think him being out for 15 days is it's actually a blessing in disguise.
4: Um, and for Tony Gonsolin, I'm just glad that he was vocal about his injury. I mean, you know, there are some guys that that aren't, that just want to go out there and pitch, or guys that may be worried that their spot's going to be taken at some point so that they don't speak up. But this guy did speak up because he knows how valuable he is to the team. He knows how valuable he is heading into October. I mean, on paper, this is if you look back at the, the, the run that they've been on since about 2013, you know, this is not, I wouldn't categorize this as one of the strongest rotations that they've gone into the postseason with just based on the health of it. So that's why it's so important for Tony Gonsolin, who's having a wonderful season to be ready because the Dodgers are going to need him
5: avoided the, Serious injury here. I think it might be a little bit of both. I think he might've felt a little something and they're just being super cautious about it. I don't think it's a complete phantom IL stint. Otherwise they would have just said back soreness or something like that. So I think there was something in the arm, uh, but I do think it is probably minor. uh, And I do think you'll, you'll get him back in time to throw at least two or three tune up starts before the playoffs. But, you know, I, I'm confident in this rotation in the playoffs with or without Gonsolin. And it's not the flashiest names the Dodgers have ever had, like Jake just said. But if you got Arias, Anderson, uh, Kershaw, and Haney going, I, I can roll with that. If you got this offense producing at this level, they can win with that rotation.
4: Oh, 100%. And, and add Dustin
5: May in there too, who I, I don't know how I forgot after what I just said about him last week. But May, Kershaw, Arias, and Anderson right there.
3: It's pretty and much it's what really, you need really really interesting to see you know assuming everyone is all of those guys are healthy by October it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of manage that who gets bumped to the bullpen yeah. you know how, are they piggybacking these guys like there's a lot of decisions to be made there obviously you don't want to lose Gonsolin and kind of to that point of you know how hurt is he I and I, I think kind of you know you guys touched on it a little bit here but you know, you think, all right, maybe you say, like, shoulder fatigue, he had dealt with that last year, that'd be a really easy thing to just say, all right, he's already thrown more than double the amount of innings as he has in any other major league season, you say that, I think everyone kind of understands. The minute you see forearm strain, and, and you know, that that's, there, there is a little bit of just kind of scariness to, to the sound of that, and when he says, yeah, I've dealt with some tightness in my arm, you know, through the year, you automatically, I think, just by nature, think about Walker Bueller and, and and how that started, and look, it doesn't seem like it's anything that serious. Donsolin mentioned that he thinks he's, you know, he'll do the 15 days on the IL. I think you forgot that it's a 15-day IL at this point because he thought it was 10 at first. And then, okay, yeah, Yeah. it's 15 now, right? Um, But, I mean, that is a little bit scary. But to your point, they do have these guys who they can kind of plug and play in a way that they definitely didn't last year, where you're basically relying on three guys to to carry you through the rest of the way. And so if they all get healthy, I I am really curious how, how they kind of, manage that um, and who gets bumped to the bullpen because there's going to be some decisions to be made.
5: Yeah. And just real quick to your point, I I think those decisions need to be made during the season, because I think if you're going to have an Andrew Heaney come out of the bullpen in the playoffs, I think you need to get him, you know, ready for that. I think you need to have him come out of the bullpen in a couple of these games. So I think, you know, towards the end of middle, mid to mid, middle to end of September, I think you need to start figuring that out and start putting whoever you're putting in the bullpen in some games in relief.
4: That's a good
2: point. And that Thank answers you. DZ Clark 98's question about thoughts of Andrew Heaney adjusting as a reliever. I mean, the K through nine is insane right now. 13 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. You have to find a way to fit him on that postseason roster one way or another. And another person who's been on the show before, Frank, at, on Twitter, to be Frank underscore seven would like us to break down who the postseason roster locks are and maybe identify any question marks. So I was able to identify 22 for sure locks and I'll read them off real quick. Will Smith, Austin Barnes.
4: book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
2: Barnes, those are your catchers freddie freeman gavin lux max muncie trey turner justin turner Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Chris Taylor, Trace Thompson. So that's 11 hitters. Pitchers Tyler Anderson, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias, Tony Gonslin, Bruce Star Gratterall, Evan Phillips, Alex Vessia, Blake Trinan, assuming he's healthy, Chris Martin, Dustin May, and Yancy Almonte. And so the maybes, I don't know if they're going to do both Andrew Heaney and Caleb Ferguson. But I have a hard time seeing them both left off. So right now, of the names I read, that's 24. So the question marks then is Joey Gallo, who's been in a bad slump. Hanser or Alberto, who's kind of been uh, kind of inconsistent most of the season. And then they're just announced Miguel Vargas is being called up September 1st as a roster call from AAA. And he's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, batting 304 with a 915 OPS. And also down there, his teammate, James Outman, who we got a little- Oh, my little God. Of, he hit two cycles in a four-day span. So, yeah. And I the mean, first
4: cycle was a grand slam walk-off.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah. so thank you for adding that part. So <laughs> I think the- I You notice I left off Craig Kimbrell. I would put him as a maybe. So, I mean, I gave you 13 pitchers, and I left two bats open. So where do you guys kind of stand on that? I'll let one of you guys take it away first.
3: It's a lot of names you rallied off there. So wait, so let's let's go. Wait, so because I I didn't write all those down at the same time. <laughs> who who are the bubble hitters now that we're at, now that you've done that? Because we I've done this exercise. I feel like
5: Alberto Gallo,
3: Vargas possibly
2: Vargas, and I, and I
5: forgot Alvin?
3: to
2: read Edwin Rios. And
5: did
3: you yeah. have Trace Thompson on there?
5: I Trace Thompson's a lock.
0: a
3: lock. Yeah.
5: How many spots though? How many hitters do you have as yeah. locks?
2: I have eleven hitters as locks. Two open.
5: Okay, so. It's a 26 man roster for the playoffs, right? Yes. Okay. So two hitters.
4: I mean, with the way they're producing, don't you have to go with Vargas and Altman, but they're not going to do that. They're going to have it. I think Joey Gallo is making this postseason. You
5: can't, you can't just go with Vargas and Altman. You know, you got to have, first of all, Altman isn't even on the big league team yet. So if Vargas plays his ass off, once he gets called up, then yeah, that might make the decision easy, but you're not just going to go with, you know, their triple-A production. You can't.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the reverse splits with Thompson this year is also kind of just in, an interesting kind of part of this where he is just mashing right-handed pitching in a way that, like, I don't think anyone expects to actually ask him about this, and he doesn't have really an explanation for it. Like, he's not, like, a career guy who's done that. He's been pretty neutral. But, like, when you're looking at that outfield mix and, and if he's hitting right, right-handers – Considerably better than your left-handed option, like if you're if you're Gallo or someone like that, it's going to be interesting. Look and then look, you know, a lot of this is going to be de- decided in early mid-September. If Vargas comes up and absolutely rakes, like now you've added another kind of thing to the mix here. If Gallo just kind of reverts back to form, like you've kind of seen in the last week or so, you know, it's going to play out that way. But uh, if they're all hitting righties. I, I don't know. Does does Alberto become a, a part of this? I know he slowed down a little bit, but that energy he provides is is kind of an interesting part. So yeah, that, those are some decisions that they're going to have to kind of figure out here.
4: I mean, it really does depend on what what Vargas does, uh, especially. And I really hope that he comes up and absolutely wins a job and and tears it up so that they have to put him on the postseason roster. But. The, the argument between the, the best bromance in baseball, Gallo and Hanser Alberto, you may go with Hanzo Alberto just because of the defensive versatility, yeah. just because of the positions he can play. Because I don't know, I don't trust Chris Taylor filling in at second base. He's looked really wobbly out there, uh, especially in that Marlins series. That was very just not encouraging. So they may just go with Alberto because he can play you know, every infield spot.
3: And that's a sneaky, like really important part of September yep. is what Chris Taylor do you have? I mean, he's struck out, I think in almost half of his August at bats, just hasn't really looked like himself, but you know that he has these stretches and experience that you, you kind of would like to have in October. It's hard to imagine a, a postseason roster or something without him, but he's got to get on track because there's just, there's at the moment, better options.
5: So I think Hanser Alberto is a lock and I'll tell you why. The the designated hitter is in play this year. So when you get to the playoffs, the Dodgers lineup is going to be pretty consistent. You're going to have pretty much the infield as the same. You're going to get Muncie uh, at the DH and the outfield. Betts and Bellinger are going to be in there. And then you got Taylor probably in there and Thompson probably in there. So Alberto probably won't even see much playing time, obviously, in terms of starting. But when you get to the later innings, do you, Justin Turner and Max Munsey have not been that solid at third base this season. And Hansra Alberto is a phenomenal defender. So I could see him being on strictly as a defensive replacement. I don't think they're going to switch up the lineup that much at all once you get into the playoffs. Uh, and I think that's kind of a no-brainer, honestly.
4: I'll be interested to see who they go with. I mean, like like Rowan was saying, it's got to play out over the next month or so. but. I mean, right now, I would not be starting Chris Taylor. I'd be starting Trace Thompson, yeah. 100%. It's a
2: tough call, yeah. and, for sure.
3: And the sample size, too, like, for a while, I feel like it's like, okay, yeah, this is this is a nice story, but, like, it's getting bigger now to where yeah. this might just be who he is. Will it be for his career? That's, you know, I don't know. But, like, for this year, it's it's getting a big enough sample size that, like, maybe this is what Trace Thompson is and you feel kind of confident if he's healthy that, that –
4: I'm convinced he can only be a Dodger. Like that's the only job he can have in baseball. Any other teams not going to perform as well.
3: It's the Matt Kemp effect. You're only good in a Dodgers uniform. Yeah. yeah, If Chris Taylor does turn it on, which could absolutely happen at some point, that is going to make for, for an interesting kind of decision here. And if you have all three of those, if Taylor, you know, figures it out, which certainly could happen if, if Thompson's hitting the way he is, and then Gallo starts hitting a couple home runs in mid-September, who knows? I mean, that's it's it'll, it'll be that's probably one of the more interesting things you're gonna you're gonna watch.
2: He'll be thrown into that platoon Brian Dozier role. <laughs> that'll be Chris Taylor. So hopefully he he turns it on because he was statistically their best postseason hitter just a year removed. So uh, let's get into some August talk. I already touched upon them being 22 and six, steamrolling the competition. Josh the flip, another loyal listener, asking us do do you expect any murder charges? thrown upon Mookie Betts. I mean, what Mookie Betts has been doing this season. An and odd this,
4: phrasing of that question.
2: I know. I did not but, know where that one was going. Yeah. But what Mookie Betts has been doing this season, and particularly, particularly in August, just incredible. 330 batting average, nine home runs, tied his career high 2018's MVP season with the 32 home runs, drove in 18 Dodgers. And I remember in 2020, we were like asking ourselves, why can't Mookie Betts hit left-handed pitching? It was the most bizarre outlier in his career. Well, this season he has a 1000 OPS against lefties. So he's smashing both sides of the sides of the plate. It's been white hot. And so he's the first player I just want to point out. Will he win MVP? It's probably going to Paul Goldschmidt, but with Betts having a war in the six range now, he's certainly in the conversation.
4: I mean, he has his his career high in home runs and there's still so many more games left so he's having an incredible season and you know what, what more can you say nl player of the week last week um he's just he's just been incredible uh and i mean the, the the season the collective seasons that mookie betts trade turner and freddie freeman are having i mean could you have asked for anything more than that i mean that is exactly what you wanted at the you know at the beginning of the season and they delivered just as much as you'd think, but it's, it's kind of crazy what the, what those three have been able to do. And also I will add this that Mookie has said that he credits Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner for helping him get refocused. Cause remember in the beginning of the season, it, he didn't start out so yeah. strong and the apparently talking to Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman about hitting has reinvigorated him and he's become more aggressive at the plate. And it's and it's paid off. I mean, what those guys have done for each other is remarkable. I mean, it's, it's such a great story. And I've never seen a lineup like the one we're seeing right now.
5: My favorite thing about Mookie Betts this year is he's kind of, you know, last year we saw him kind of lose a step in terms of speed. Uh, 2020, he was, you know, the Mookie Betts we've always seen that was with Boston, stole a lot of bases, was fast on the base pass. And last year he, he did kind of lose a step. And this year he's kind of turned that into power. And that's what the best players in baseball do. If they if they lose a step, if they, they have to make an adjustment, they shift to a, a new version and a better version of themselves. And that's what I've been impressed with Mookie Betts this year.
3: Yeah, and, and Kevin, I mean, you touched on it. He's been a six-war player. You have two guys in Freeman and Turner who, who lead the majors in hits, and they are not the team's war leader, which is kind <laughs> of insane. Um, it's also kind of insane when you consider the year that those three have had that Aaron and Goldschmidt are still almost a, a win better than both of them. What they're doing in, in St. Louis is crazy, but in terms of just a trio of guys, I don't know that you're gonna find a, a better one than the one that's in Los Angeles right now. And Mookie is just as good, you know, Trey and Trey and Freddie, they're they're there every day. It's day. It's been incredible to watch what they have been able to accomplish, but I still think the engine, the motor of this team is Mookie Betts, and he's yep. also, you talked about kind of the, the struggles. Can he hit left-handed pitching? He is the one guy who is consistent against left-handed pitching. You could say Trey Turner, too. I think they're the only two that have a 900-plus OPS against lefties, though. And if this is the Mookie that you're going to get in October, good luck trying to slow this offense
2: Yeah, right on. I mean, for this for the season entering today, it's probably gone up now. He's got the second-best weighted weighted run created of his seat, of his career, 154. Um, he might be the most humble superstar I've ever seen in my lifetime. Kirsten asked him after the game, you know, asked him about his road trip hit like five home runs in six games or whatever. And his comment was it's been all right. And then she asked him, you know, the feeling of hitting your 32nd, 30 second, 32nd 30 second home run, tying a career high. I mean, and he's, he responds well, but we lost. So it didn't really matter. I mean, just like taking every game, like it's your last game. It's just like the, the Mamba mentality to an extent. It's just surreal what Mookie Betts brings to the Dodgers.
4: And it and it also, just really quickly, it also has felt that Mookie has really become a Dodger. I don't really know how to, how to describe it, but it just, that feeling of like, because at first it was, you know, 2020 was so weird, and then 2021 kind of getting his bearings going again, and he wasn't really performing as well as he'd like to be. And then this year has kind of been his breakout year in a full season with the Dodgers, and he's, it's really felt like his team. Um, which I think is so important.
3: That's a good point. I mean, there's such a stark difference between this Mookie and last year's Mookie. And I think 99% of that is injury related. And when you're not healthy, you're not going to be yourself. But just from an energy standpoint, I mean, you can think back to that catch. Was, it was the 2020 season when he had that catch against San Diego and he's pounding at his chest. And like you saw these kind of uh, elements of that. Was that was that 20 or 20? It had to have been 20, right? Anyway, whatever he was 20. It, I think, yeah. Yeah but it was just, and then he, and then you see last season and it, it's just, he was never really fully physically right. And he kind of talked about that and he's just been a lot more open. He seems to have developed a friendship with, with Freddie Freeman. And I, we kind of talked already about how the two of those Freddie, Freddie and Trey have kind of pushed him, but uh, you know, he's been honest about, you know, I've had these, he's kind of changed the way he's thought about things mentally. He's, he's reading these books on tape and stuff. And like, He's just seems to be doing like everything he possibly can to be sort of this best version of himself. And you're sort of seeing the product of that right now uh, in a way that's really, really encouraging.
2: Friend of the show, Steve M chiming in on Twitter, asking us, Hey, any, any of you guys going to that Dodgers Padres game on Saturday? I know up North. Uh, I am uh, up up North. I will be going to the, the series in San Francisco though.
4: I hadn't thought about it yet. So I'm not sure. Are you going, Kev?
2: I'm not going, but if you are on the fence, Jake, I do suggest using our new proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers podcast, TickPick. Oh, yes, Yes. I've heard of them. No fee tickets, same seats, better pricing. TickPick is where fans can go to both buy and sell tickets. I'm talking MLB, Dodgers baseball, Lakers season soon, your Los Angeles Rams, Chargers, concerts, this rapidly growing ticket website is just flowing up there on the charts due to their stellar pricing, the no fees, excellent customer service. Um, I, I used TickPack recently as well. I recently bought Third Eye Blind tickets and got first-level seats pretty up close for cheap price, even ch- cheaper than Live Nation. And we have a promo code. So use the promo code INCLINE, all caps, that's INCLINE. Good for any first-time purchase. And you'll save $10 off any purchase greater than $49. Just use Incline. Tick, pick, proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers. Rowan, we really appreciate you joining us this evening on the Incline Dodgers podcast. Uh, before we sign off, I had to ask you, you know, of all the interviews you've ever conducted in your life, which one stood out to you the
3: most? Oh, wow. Is this any, any, any sport, any... Fair game, yeah. Um, there's... Oh, man, that is, that is a tough question. Uh, Maybe just
4: a few that are memorable. doesn't yeah. have to be the best. You don't have to rank them.
3: Yeah. You know, uh, I I don't know if it was one interview in particular, but uh, so I, I had worked in NBA before I had worked in, in baseball and you're not going to meet, well, Ross Tripling might give him a, a run for his money here, but a nicer athlete than Jamal Crawford, who will give you just the time of day that he did.
5: University um, of Michigan product right there. Yeah,
3: there <laughs> you go. So there is. It might be just the kindest, uh, most like thoughtful athlete I have ever dealt with. And you're going to get, you know, nicer and, and less nice guys from sport to sport, from team to team. That'll just kind of change a lot. But that will, that is a guy that I will always remember for always giving you the time of day and just kind of taking the time to know the names of everyone around him, um, ask you how you're doing, just these little things that through the course of the season, you just sort of remember all the time that will always kind of stick with me. I know it's not one interview so I'm kind of cheating here on the answer to that question. Oh, it's... But uh th- that will always sort of stick with me um as a as a guy that I'll remember.
2: The more the merrier. Uh, so any <laughs> any final thoughts or any predictions you wanted to throw out there just running down the stretch with this Dodgers team? Yeah,
3: I mean, look, it'll be interesting if if they go on some huge run and now we're talking about, you know, they're they're 10 and one and the all-time records there and you know will they kind of go for it I, I don't think that'll happen I think they will get the franchise record which is kind of interesting but when you look at like the elite of the national league here this might be as good as as I can remember in yep. terms of just like the breadth of talent like there's obviously the Dodgers are, are the Dodgers and kind of on a league at their on a level of their own here but the Mets the Braves and the Cardinals to have all of these teams as good as they are going into September. I can't remember that many teams that are legitimate contenders in the NL and I'm really good really point excited to see how that kind of manifests going into October.
2: Yeah, great point should be a postseason to remember without a doubt. so make sure to follow Rowan on Twitter at Rowan Kavner. Uh, I'll have the description below. great follow gives you amazing baseball content and phenomenal Dodgers perspective so, Rowan, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks we really so much, appreciate guys. it.
3: It's fun and uh, you know, let's see what happens on the way to October here. All right, thank you.
2: All right, thanks, thanks man. man. So, Dodgers and Padres meeting up again. Dodgers have just been kicking this team's ass all season. Recently swept them, but I know that the Padres might be turning a corner. They just swept the San Francisco Giants. So I will indeed take my L and, that, and acknowledge that the Padres are a better team than the Giants this season. Don't really have the Dodgers probables, but the Padres have announced that they will be thrown at us. Okay, so you, Darvish, Sean Manaya, who the Dodgers absolutely lit up like a Christmas tree last time out, and Mike Clevenger, another pitcher that the Dodgers got to. I don't know who the Dodgers are throwing out there. I imagine potentially, I don't know if Michael Grove would make another start. He is.
4: Julio will be in there.
2: Yeah, yeah it'll be Arias, May, and Wild Card. Right. So it should be pretty good. I think the Padres will probably play the Dodgers tougher than they did last time out. Obviously, Juan Soto is picking up the pace. Manny Machado has been pretty red hot too. Uh, Kim at shortstops playing exceptional defense, and we'll get in there with some clutch hits. But I mean, this division's a wrap, so it's more about the Padres having to prove something and make a wild card berth, and the Dodgers playing with house money.
4: Also, Josh Hader just recorded his first save for the Padres and a month after he was acquired or thereabouts. That's sad. If, you know, if he keeps this pace up, he'll have three saves at the Padres by the end of the season.
5: I can't fathom how he's been this bad. Uh, before I get into that, that those pitching matchups are, I, I'm just so underwhelmed with Sean Manaya and uh, Clevenger as well. I mean, what a bad trade that Clevenger trade ended up being uh, you could, you could make a laundry list of, of failed Padres trades. And that's that honestly wouldn't even make the top five and it's still pretty bad. Um, but hater, I, I honestly, don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Like he wasn't, he was struggling with, with Milwaukee uh, when they made this trade, but this has been atrocious so bad. And I, I have we ever seen
4: get him get lit up like this?
5: Not, not this consistently. No, never in yeah. his career has he done this. Brewers sold high.
2: They probably could have sold higher a year ago, but
5: they got well, a good. They got two good prospects: es- Estuary Ruiz, who's Dusty Baker's guy, and then Robert Gasser, is a starting pitcher in the minors that the Brewers now have. So uh, again, another fleece that's going to end up being a terrible trade for the Padres.
2: Yeah, Hater was always overrated. He's just like Errolis Chapman, in my opinion. Great stuff. Always chokes when the moment gets too big. But yeah, any other thoughts? I mean, I mean, we've seen this team a lot. I don't know. It's they're not a threat in my opinion. I know I'm quoting Joe Musgrove there, but what <laughs> what is there really to prove? Like we just saw the Dodgers and Mets, and in, in my opinion, that was the highest intensity I've seen. And we're only two games in the series. The Mets fans are absolutely bringing it. I know they have more to prove, obviously, than the Dodgers. This is my NLCS. I felt like things were kind of tense when the Dodgers went out to Atlanta, but when the Dodgers play the Padres to me, it's just it's regular season games and the Padres are technically in the playoff picture right now. Yeah.
5: Which is kind of sad, isn't it? I mean, we like preseason, we were looking forward to these, these last, they play the Padres nine times in September. Uh, and we had all circled those on the calendar as being, well, this this is probably going to be for the division or this is probably going to be but the you second
4: know, year in a row. We've done this.
5: Yeah. And you know, fool me once, Shame on you, fool me twice. Shame on me.
4: Well, I can't be fooled again.
5: Yep. <laughs> that, whatever that was.
4: That was George Bush. Um,
5: okay. <laughs>
4: no, I mean, yeah, we've been waiting for that. We've been waiting for this showdown. This, you know, nineteen times a year. Nineteen. You know, it was last year. It was like nineteen times they're going to meet in the World Series, and even Dave Roberts was saying that. For for two years, we've been waiting for this quote-unquote rivalry to reveal itself and it just never has and it's kind of sad because it's not like the Padres have a bad team on paper they just aren't performing I mean plain as day they've got good players they're just not performing and you got a guy you know Tatis who can't make who can't make a right decision ever um, as as a guy that they were hoping to, to get back and that's what I was saying like after the trade deadline, it's like, OK, yeah, they, they made a couple of great trades, but I still still wanted to see what they were made of. They haven't really done well at all since the since the deadline. And then my other thing was, OK, well, let's just see what happens with Tatis comes back. Well, we know that that's not that's not happening for a while. So we're just never going to get to see this. You know, I mean, it is. A li- I mean, I yes, it's funny to laugh at the Padres. And, and, and you know, how, how badly they make trades and how badly they are as an organization. But don't you kind of want that excitement back in the division? I mean, that's kind of what was exciting about last year, even though it was an absolute headache. But at least for it to be a little more competitive than it is now.
2: Well, it might be the Arizona Diamondbacks sooner rather than later because they have a great core coming up, and they've been on a tear. I think they decimated the Phillies. They're actually tied, I think, with the Giants now in the NOS. I think they might be better as of today.
4: Their prospects have come up and mashed. Like, I I was watching some of their highlights the other night, never heard of half of these guys, and they were all just raking.
5: Well, I just called up Corbin Carroll, who is like a Trey Turner type player. Corbin their, Carroll, their, their best prospect is Jordan Lawler, and we won't even see him until next year. So they're they're cooking something, but nobody's cooking something more than Baltimore. That is a team that is going to compete. Next yeah, year, they just brought
3: their their number Gunner one guy Henderson, up. But crushed Henderson, a
5: homer, home run his first game. They still got two, three more top prospects: Grayson Rodriguez, top pitching prospect in baseball; Colton Cowser. That team is going to be. If they can just
2: spend a little bit of money, that team is going to be dangerous.
4: They already are, and they haven't spent any money.
2: Yeah, but the problem is that the Orioles play in the NL or the AL East, and the Yankees aren't going anywhere. The Blue Jays are not going anywhere. Tampa Bay Rays seem to never be going anywhere. Yeah, That's but but I'm it's, telling it's you, it's
4: now easier to make the playoffs.
5: Yeah, I'm telling you, that team is going to compete for a playoff spot, and I think make it next year.
2: I think they're just that team that got hot at the right time until they actually spent money. They got to prove it for a full season. The Texas Rangers, in my opinion, are the team to buy stock on. Corey Seager is mashing with the Rangers. He just hit a career high in home runs, 29 of them. You got Jack. You know that's an Thanks Corey.
5: You know that's an all time record for a left-handed shortstop. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Where was
4: that? Like, and he's not- been healthy this whole year.
5: Well, we'll see how long that stays. That lasts.
4: No, but seriously, he's been well, healthy this whole year. I'm
5: saying it over that contract. We'll see how long
2: that's. Oh, that's okay. Case. Well, it's not his fault. He got a pitch thrown at his hand. I mean, what do you want? He was great. Get out of the 20- way. He was in, he was great in <laughs> 2021, 2020.
5: I'm not hating.
2: I'm just telling
5: it like it is. I'm, I'm
2: hating. Not, I'm not. I wasn't hating on you, David. I'm just saying. Buy stock on the Rangers. I think they will be a legitimate force, probably in twenty twenty four. Yeah, they've
4: got good pitching prospects coming up. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Kumar Rocker is with them too. I Lighter,
5: Jack Lighter's the prize there.
2: But like, like I was saying with the Orioles, they kind of remind me of the Mariners a couple years ago or three years ago. Not, not the current rendition that won ninety games last season. But I think I don't remember. Maybe it was twenty nineteen where they won more games than they should have. But Anyways, back to the point here. We have actually a specific question here for David coming from on Twitter. Oh, boy. At Catch the Blues. Dodgers announced an Elton John bobblehead. (laughs) And so for you, David, rehash your argument Uh, that bobblehead should be only given for MLB baseball players.
5: All right. So I think it's well-documented how against the Billie Jean King bobblehead I was. It was just preposterous. I mean, you got players on the team who deserve bobbleheads and you just give it to an owner who doesn't play baseball. You, you put her in a tennis uniform. I'm sorry. Who the hell wants that? Who wants a Dodgers, Billy Jean King bobblehead? Nobody, nobody. And now we're going to double down on Elton John. How is Elton John relevant? How is he relevant to the Dodgers? And again, Billie Jean King, legend. Elton John, legend. They're not relevant to the Dodgers players, at least on the field. Yes, Billie Jean Kings are. They're not relevant for a bobblehead giveaway. Give me a break. Can I, I, I would I... rather have a Luke Rayleigh bobblehead than a Billie Jean King or a, or a Elton John bobblehead. I would rather have the team trainer bobblehead. I would rather have the hot dog vendor than those two.
2: You At least Chico those guys bobblehead?
5: are a Chico bobblehead, a Josh Bard bobblehead. How about a Mark Pryor bobblehead? I could go on and on. Those two could not be less relevant to Dodgers baseball.
4: All right. Let me just say one thing. I a hundred percent agree with you on the Billy Jean King thing. hundred percent. The reason why I think the Elton John thing is a little more relevant than I think you, you may want to think is because he did have an epic concert there. Oh, and he did. On, hold dude. on. Hold on. He did have an epic concert there. And this year has been about celebrating 60 years at Dodger Stadium. So I, I know it's a bit of a stretch. It is a stretch. But honestly, it makes it makes more sense than than Billie Jean King.
5: I completely disagree with you. At least Billie Jean King at least owns part of the team. So at least there is a connection there. Just because Elton John walked in one day and sang some songs on the field doesn't mean there's a connection. Come on. There's, I mean, if you're if you want an Elton John bobblehead, give it away at the concert. We don't want that. None of us fans want an Elton John bobblehead. And if you do and you're listening to this, I'm sorry. You'll you go get your Elton John bobblehead but I think I could speak for 99.8% of the fan base that does not give a shit about an Elton John Dodgers
2: bobblehead. Come on. My biggest grief with what the Dodgers are doing in their promotional giveaways is there's just too many of them now. And what that does, what that does is it raises the ticket prices because now you have your Elton John bobbleheads or your 10th man off the bench Dodgers bobblehead. Games that should be, I don't know, 40 bucks. They raise it 30 bucks because of the stupid bobblehead.
5: Well, you can go to TickPick and use code INCLINE to get $10 off your new purchase to, to
2: counteract that. How about nice. them
5: apples, Kevin?
2: Nice plug. But back to the point here, it used to be like maybe 10 bobbleheads in a season at the most. Now it's like 20 plus. Like, do I really need a deal, de los Muertos bobblehead? Yeah, that's a cool one. I would love that one. That's not a Dodgers player, though. But it's like a
5: cool like oh. t- twist on it. You know, it's like a cool like. Do I know, need a bobble. Kurt Gibson I missed the bobble. <laughs> bobblehead in the year 2022? I agree with you there. They do. They do too many repeats of the old guys. Like I can't. T- I feel like I have seven iterations of like Don Drysdale and Don Newcomb yeah. bobbleheads. My point. I'm with they're, you on that.
2: Forcing it to raise the damn
5: prices. I'm with you on that one for sure. But I mean, there's players who haven't gotten bobbleheads that deserve bobbleheads.
4: Just fix the parking. That's all I care about. Like Just you're telling me.
5: You're telling me. How long has Austin Barnes been with the Dodgers
2: since 2014,
5: 14. And you're going to give Billy Jean King and Elton John a bobblehead before world series champion, Austin Barnes.
2: He has a bobblehead. this But
5: season. I thought
4: they did give him a bobblehead. Oh,
5: he did. His is in September. Okay. Well, good. Good on the Dodgers then, but you got other guys like that. Okay. There's plenty of guys you could give bobbleheads for.
2: Well, the, and now none they're of them are them, named Elton John. They're giving them to all of them, which is now my problem. There's too many damn bobbleheads, but Uh, where are we going? Okay. A couple things that we got to bring up. Dave Roberts has officially managed a thousand games in a Dodgers uniform over that first thousand games. He went 632 and 368. The the best win percentage in Dodgers history, best win percentage in all of active managers. And I think it might even be the best win loss percentage of all time.
5: I'm, I am generally pleased with the Dave Roberts tenure. I think they could have won one more world series early on in his tenure, but I, I, I think he is the man for the job and I hope he stays stays on board for a while.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to knock that record. It's certainly been, uh, you know, an interesting ride with Dave Roberts to say the least. I agree with David. I think we should have one more title in there. Um, I feel like there were a lot of things that he did that, that prevented them from getting that extra title. And I'm, and we're, and we're not talking about 2017. um, But yeah, I think the most important thing about Dave Roberts is not the not the win-loss record um, because he's had incredible rosters every single year he's been the manager. But I think the best part about him is his ability to, you know, keep the clubhouse intact. I mean, he literally has had everyone bought in. There's been – you've never heard of any drama within that clubhouse the entire time he's been there. Um, maybe a little bit with Puig, but – you know, but but Puig is Puig was already kind of, you know, bombastic. Um, so he was, he's a wild horse, as uh, Vince Scully would say. But for the most part, it's it's been a tight lipped clubhouse. It's been a professional one. It's been just a you know a smooth. He's been the smooth sailor. I mean, it's a smooth skipper of the ship for sure. You
2: can give him all the praise you want, but it's World Series or bust. And if they don't win the World Series, they should fire him. And I'm I'm leaving it at that because all those this year I
4: agree actually because this is the best team he's anyone's ever had. Let's go.
2: The win <laughs> the regular season wins is great and all, but I need those I need those trophies. Like what what else is the point here? Like I agree, yeah.
5: but I don't think they should fire him if they don't win the World Series.
2: I just don't see how you can top this team. But anyways, we, you, you can have the best team in the world, and sometimes you just don't play like it in the playoffs. But it happens. But I think that was kind of the underlying issue is that it's not necessarily the Dodgers underperforming, but the manager setting up the team for failure. But okay. It depends how it plays out. Rapid fire time because we got to close this show out. Coming from Dub Quacker7 on Twitter. What do you think about Trey Turner? Is he a must resign? And if he is a resign, what do you do with Gavin Lux? I mean, you don't trade Gavin Lux at this point, no matter what. I still think that Trey Turner will eventually walk in free agency as awesome as he's been the $300 million price tag, which is what I think he will sign for. is just something that the Dodgers do not have to pay. And so that's why I think he's not a must resign because Michael Bush is about to come up. He's been awesome in AAA. Miguel Vargas is an infielder. He's going to be on the MLB roster. We already saw him earlier this season and you got Chris Taylor, Max Muncie, and Maybe Justin Turner coming back. So I don't think they need him.
4: Yeah. The problem is we didn't you didn't list one shortstop in there. I mean that's he's not a shortstop. I've not yeah. seen him do it. Well he I'm is not, a
2: shortstop. He is a shortstop. That was his entire Don't care. Season. Has
4: he done it in the major league level? Has he started there consistently? Yes. Yeah,
2: Seeger Seeger went down. He's he
5: started there
4: for a whole season?
5: No. No, but like 80 games.
4: Okay, but so you trust you trust him with with the shortstop position?
5: I do, I, but yeah. that doesn't change my opinion that the Dodgers need to tr- sign Trey Turner. I'm
4: saying that they need to sign Trey Turner for a number of reasons and that being one of them. What, you know, if you can figure out a way to keep both Gavin Lux and Trey Turner, that up the middle combo is is incredible. I I much prefer Gavin Lux at second base. He's really come into his own there. He fields the position really well. And you saw what happened after, you know, he took over for Chris Taylor when he, that that was a disaster when Lux was out and then he, and he gets back in and it's steady Eddie at that position. So I think they got, they have to get Trey Turner back within reason. I don't think they should, you know, give him a Corey Seager contract. That's a bit ridiculous, but within reason, they should try to re-sign him and, and, and keep him. I I, I think it's, I think it's a top priority.
5: I agree. I I think it's, not going to be 300 million. I think it's going to be around 260 million. And I think the Dodgers basically have fuck you money and they can't afford it. Uh, I mean, you look past Freeman and Betts' contracts. They don't have anybody signed long-term, you know, they just, they, they can't, this team can't afford it. And I think he has, you know, last year he was kind of a luxury and I think this year he's kind of turned into a necessity.
2: I have a hard time going necessity, but that's that's part of the why they built this farm system because they have the replacements. And yeah, maybe it's a little scary to go with rookies, but they have a plan in place and they have. Well, that's where the
4: Dodgers' leverage comes in.
2: I just don't see them trading Michael Bush. Like you got to find a way to start him. Miguel Vargas got to find a way to start him. If they would have traded them for relievers, you could say at this point, like. They're going but to none of them it. have
4: to play. None of them have to play shortstop in order to in order to be on this roster. Yep.
2: Well, that's Gavin Lux is going to be the shortstop of the future. I. It might sound crazy now, but he has like a thousand innings in the minors.
4: But the They're point is, is that Miguel Vargas can play third, and he can play left field, and and Michael Bush can play around the diamond too.
2: And I'm saying they have two shortstops on the roster. They don't need to carry two go down to one and now Michael Bush is your second baseman. That's, that's probably what would happen if they don't either, either
4: situation I would be fine with honestly.
2: And I think, I still think they're going to blow a lot of money towards Shohei Otani. So we got to just hold out for that. I think he is like the dream Andrew Freeman type of player, a starting pitcher. Maybe he could play some outfield, but DH nonetheless, the versatility that he would offer got two superstars in one well worth it. In my opinion, uh, final question, and then that's the show for you guys. We should have probably answered this way earlier at the top, but or Richard Aller too, my apologies. Should the Dodgers go all in for Jacob Degrom if he opts out this off season? No,
5: this is my short answer. I sure. there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of health risks there. I mean, I I, I know, would never
4: go long term with him.
5: He's 34 years old already. He has proven, as of late, that he doesn't really. Stay healthy for a full season. Uh, he's had two Tommy John surgeries already. Uh, no, and I and would, finally, just real quick, you look at the pitching prospects in this in this organization. You don't need to do that. You just don't.
4: That's one hundred percent.
2: In theory, yes, but the injuries just this, especially with this core, they, so many guys get hurt. I mean, we know Walker Bueller. You'd be out.
4: adding another one who gets hurt a lot.
2: Well, I think. I would be comfortable giving him a Trevor Bauer like contract, where it's three years, heavily front loaded. See what you got. I, when he's on the mound, he's the best pitcher in the sport. Well, and
5: another thing you got to factor in is like Steve Cohen's not letting that dude walk away. Maybe the maybe the Wilpons would, but Steve Cohen's not going to let that guy walk away.
2: I don't think he will, but you never know. No one thought Freddie Freeman was walking away. He did. Most people thought. Anthony Rendon was coming back to the nationals. They let him walk away. Sometimes the GMs see something that we don't behind the scenes. And you brought up the medical track record. They might say, you know what, as great as you've been, Jacob, you just have too many injuries and we don't feel comfortable giving you that type of contract. So I'll leave it at that. I would be stoked if the Dodgers signed him, but like I said, 40 million a year for three seasons, max call it a day. I think the Dodgers can never have enough starting pitching and it's, it would be a luxury, but maybe with the injuries, it becomes a necessity. You just never know. Uh, all right guys, any final thoughts before I close this out? I think I've said enough. Yeah. Elton John needs to stop, dude. Just stop. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the incline Dodgers podcast. Give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast, follow us on Twitter and, uh, Yeah, go fan-sided. Thank you, Rowan, again, for joining us and TickPick as well. Everyone have a great week and go Dodgers.
1: As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the US, Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts